And the more people tell you no, or, or and the more challenging it seems, the more you're going to thank yourself later on for growing as a person. You bleep, 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 bleep. Have you not seen my work and what I could do? They don't have anything better to do because they don't want to go home to their, their wives because they, their entire life has been work, go home, work, go home. So they haven't developed the relationship with their family or their significant others. So whenever they see young people coming in, they just see us as a threat rather than. That's Naya Doncheva, a virtual friend of mine and co-owner of Faux and Finish. Naya is incredibly talented and I really enjoyed speaking with her. I'm Mike Kenoki. If it's your first time listening, I'm a contractor in Fairbanks, Alaska. I've been hosting this podcast since May of 2021. I've had guests from all over the world and the show's been broadcast in over 70 countries. The point of this pod is pretty much that we're all experts at how we build where we live in the world. It's a requirement. You're in your natural habitat. But the business side, the things we do daily, that stuff's universal. Dealing with clients, the nuance of our relationships with our subtrades, planning and project execution, we can all learn a lot from each other. And many of us took a, the scenic route getting to where we are today. And that includes Naya, who started out in a career elsewhere. She's a go-getter, and she balks at the idea that being ADHD and dyslexic can hold her back. We're going to talk about her clients and her process, the nuance of communication, and why being Bulgarian is awesome. You know there's always more to it. But please, hey, if you're listening today, take a screenshot and share this directly to your social media and tag at the contracting handbook and at girl with power tools. The one with three S's, not one S. Naya always does that when she's stuck in LA traffic and listening to the contracting handbook podcast. All right, I'm going to stop talking and let the tape roll. I forced myself to do estimates. And like, all right, if I don't write this estimate, I'm not going to get any more work. So I need to write this because I've learned that the second you meet the client and the second you start working, other things will come out. What's the worst couple you've ever, the most ridiculous couple you've ever dealt with? (laughs) No, I'm serious. It's like, I start paying attention to the music and I start spraying too fast and there's (laughs) overspray and it's just like, oh, I'm going to have to sand this. You become the music. Yeah, pretty much. But it doesn't work for finishing because you have to go slow. Right. Or that finish is peeling off. It's over 20 years old. To them, it's like, oh. And I'm like, I, I see it. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, come and see it in person. I'm like, I see it in the picture. <laughs> I don't need to waste my time. Because <laughs> celery sucks. It tastes awful. Take it out of my Bloody Mary. It's taking up space. <laughs> Welcome back to the Contracting Handbook Podcast. My next guest is a bit of a magician. Is it real magic or sleight of hand? I'm not sure. We'll find out today. She's co-founder of Faux and Finish out of LA, rock climber and advocate for doing for anyone doing cool stuff 
It's Naya Doncheva. What's up, Naya? Oh my God, I love that intro. <laughs> I love that intro so much. Tell me, what's good in the construction industry today? I don't know how to answer that because everything is so much fun. Like I've done it for a little bit around two years now, and I've just realized that this is the happiest I've ever been in my life. Fantastic. Uh, what would you say needs to change in the construction industry? Getting more young kids on board. Like, what am I? What year are we? 2022. So I'm going to be 32 in November. And I've hired, I've hired people my age to help out. I've hired people like 18, 19, 20 to help out. And none of them last because the younger generation is not used to working hard because this field is very hard. It's very laborious. So it's just hard getting somebody to help out. So I think something that needs to change is like getting more young people involved. And another thing is just getting the older generation to accept women working in this field. I don't want to tell you how many times I've heard people say like, why are you doing this? Why aren't you working behind of a desk? hundred percent. And it's hard for me in my head to perceive that it's still like that for women because I, I believe that everybody should be involved in construction from a creative process to, to like how we approach everything, how we do the work. Oh, dude, I have stories for days to tell. Like, um, how do I say this one? So somebody that my boyfriend interviewed for, I also interviewed with him and I was planning on like, after I exhausted my projects, I was planning on going to work for somebody else just so we can save money. And he was reaching out to my boyfriend. He was like, so when is your girlfriend going to come work over here? Because she can do the admin stuff because ladies are better behind the computer. And I'm like, you, where's your bleepers? Because I really want to, you bleep, 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 bleep. Have you not seen my work and what I could do? Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, and I don't know how we're going to, I don't know how you deal with that that's been taught for generations it's ridiculous I but talk back yeah i put people in their place i believe you i'm going to try and get some people on the show to to have some solutions cuz we keep talking about it but the solutions are i don't know it's not just like wanting to get young people involved it's also that the older generation doesn't like training like they see the younger people coming in to replace them like okay yes we are here to replace you but what are you going to do die on the job like some finishers are working up until their 80s because they don't have anything better to do because they don't want to go home to their their wives because they, their entire life has been work go home work go home so they haven't developed the relationship with their family or their significant others so whenever they see young people coming in they just see us as a threat rather than excuse me they just see us as a threat rather than somebody there like hey i'm trying to learn from you but i'm also trying to help you out and eat ease your load yeah there's some psychology in there for you um are you also a psychologist no <laughs> <laughs> um that's not one of my degrees you restore furniture and the like uh you must know like all of your wood species and all these things because 
of the approach to each piece has to be different. And you're doing all this blending and making things look original. It's an, it's incredible work. You know, how'd you get this knowledge? Working. I started out um, building, finishing and installing kitchen cabinetry while I was going to school for interior design. So I was going to school for interior design. I figured out how to build stuff and I went, wait, I don't want to have to shop for a room um, when I can build it. And then I got lended off to a finisher to help him assist. And I was like, wait, 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 you can do what with tins? This is stunning. And it wasn't furniture painting. It was actually lacquer. So to go back to your question, it's just been a lot of hard work and figuring things out on the go. And then asking my boyfriend, who's been doing it for years and going, babe, I think I messed up. How do I fix this? Furniture, I mean, wood species wise, I'm still learning them. Like, you know, relic on, on hammer. Yeah. I will literally yeah. take a picture of something and be like, dude, what species is this? Help me out. Because I know my oaks, I know my walnuts, and I know my, uh, let's see, oak, cedar, walnut, maple. And that's as far as it goes, just the generic ones. Everything else that looks different, I'm like, I don't know what this is. Oh, well, well, it's wood. It'll sand the same. And once you start sanding it, you figure out how old it is. Because when you sand it, the graining is different. Mm-hmm then you'll realize that you just need to be more careful with it. That answer your question? Or yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's great. I, I used to know my hardwoods a lot better than I do now. I worked in a mill for uh, a year in the 90s, but I didn't like the work that much. Uh, but it was amazing. I mean, I got to touch every, every kind of wood out there. It was amazing. That just sounds exciting. It was for a little while, but you, after, you, after you've made like your 10,000th billionth board, you're kind of ready to move on to the next phase of your life. Yeah. So yeah, what you do takes incredible talent and focus for sure. I mean, to, to be able to take these broken pieces. I've, I mean, I've seen so much of your work where you're, you know, restoring some family heirloom, the angel, I think it was, was really cool. But the amount of patience to be able to figure all that out. Ah, uh, Caesar taught me how to have patience. Mm. Like when I was starting out, I was learning from him and he's like, you need patience, you need patience. And I learned the hard way that if I don't have patience, my finish is going to come out like crap. Like if I don't let, um, let's say I'm making a stain and I'm using two different things to mix the stain. If I don't give it at least 45 minutes for part of the stain to evaporate before I spray lacquer on it, I'm going to end up getting fish eye. So I learned the hard way to have patience and to be meticulous. Otherwise, the end result is just going to be crap. <laughs> the fish eye. <laughs> mm, it's great. But hey, I learned how to get rid of that too. So you were in accounting, among other things, before this. Long story long. I worked 10 years in advertising. Then I worked in healthcare. Then I worked in accounting. And then I got, and then COVID happened and I got diagnosed with ADHD and dyslexia and things started to hit. And I was like, wait, now this makes sense. Why I hate working behind of a desk. Why once I start working at a certain job, it gets easy. And I'm like, okay, I'm bored. I want to get out of here. I need something more challenging. And that goes on to 
why finishing satisfies that ADHD boredom because every two to three weeks I get a new piece and the challenge starts all over. Mm -hmm. And it's not just the same style. It's whatever the client wants. So it's like, all right, cool. Let me, let me make the visual in your head come to life. Yeah, absolutely. Your work, the creative pool you have to draw from is, is enormous because everything is so different Mm -hmm. and it's got to look, it's got to match. It's just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by it. And, and so was finishing like a hobby before, or did you just like start helping with helping your boyfriend or like, how did, how did it evolve that you fell into it? I was assisting a finisher. Um, they used to do color matching and he would refinish furniture pieces. And then he kind of like pushed me to go out on my own. And I, so my sister and I had a savings account that we weren't supposed to touch. And I was like, I texted her and I was like, dude, please let me pull money out of the savings account. I want to buy a spray gun. I bought a spray gun, I bought a compressor. And um, he was teaching me how to spray, how to spray lacquer. Caesar was teaching me how to, how to apply stain. And it just, it kind of happened because I just kept on posting things. I kept on posting things that the first finisher and I would work on, on, on the neighborhood app. And then people just started reaching out to me. Like, God, one of the first projects that I worked on when I first started out, I couldn't differentiate the difference between a woodworker and a finisher. Mm. Cause I thought that a woodworker also did the finishes. So whenever clients would reach out to me, I would be so excited. I'm like, yeah, heck yeah, I can do that. No problem. Like one of my first projects was, was a rocking chair and I built legs for a rocking chair out of solid, out of white oak. That was so hard to do. Are you left-handed or right-handed? Left-handed. You know, I had a crew of left-handed people once. I was, I was the only, three left-handed dudes and me. That's awesome. It was interesting. Wait, are you right-handed or left-handed? Yeah, I'm right. I'm right. Oh, well, that must have been like super confused for you. Like you walk in the job site and everything's not where you expect it to be. It's not. And the way the saws get run is different. The way they hold things, because everything's made for right-handed people. So I'm looking at, especially my young helper, I'm going, is he going to cut his hand off? So, <laughs> so the ADHD sitting at the desk is one thing, but you've had some other chat. You had another challenge too, which you have told me about is you're dyslexic. Now, how is that playing into dealing with your business? Oh, it's so much fun. When it comes to the creative side, um, I'm like dyslexia is my superpower because whenever somebody asks me to color match a stain, it's easy for me because like a regular person will see brown. I will see the tints underneath and be able to separate those tints, tints into layers and then I know how to color match it. And it just makes it, because I think in my head in pictures, it makes it easy to disassemble a piece of furniture and reassemble it. The hard part comes whenever I have to explain to a client what I'm doing. So to make my life easier, every new client that comes on board, I just have them follow me on Instagram because I constantly post Mm. stories of the process of their, 
the process of their piece. So I don't have to be, you know, I don't have to be high on lacquer and texting somebody explaining to them why I'm filling in the grain or why I'm spraying undercoat. Like that's the least I want to do after an entire day of just laborious work. They can just go on my Instagram and see it. That's really cool. It's interesting thinking about thinking in pictures. I mean, you've got several degrees. How is the education process for you? Because your your process is not the same as these education systems are set up for. I just tried really hard. Like in my household, you couldn't get anything below a B minus or you would get yelled at. So you just, you just learn to suck it up and get good grades. So I got an associate's, then I got a bachelor's, then I got a minor, then I went back to school for another associate's, which I didn't complete because I started working. Mm -hmm. But yeah, for like almost every single degree that I've gotten, I've also gotten a scholarship because of high grades. So it's like, let me say it like this. I had a client that her and I were, I was delivering a piece. And this client was a preschool teacher. And she was like, oh, what are you going to do after this? And I was like, oh, I'm going to go study for, for school. And she goes, and she mentioned something. And I just said, I have a bachelor's degree. And she goes, but you're dyslexic. And this is a, a preschool teacher that still has the same ideas that people that are dyslexic can't achieve things in school mm. like when I have more degrees than I can count it doesn't mean I'm dumb it just means that it's much harder for me to to pay attention or to read like everything um I would listen to audiobooks or I would um transfer my school books into pdf and then have that listen to me and then school was just easier yeah the system is set up for other people it's not set up for everybody that's for sure it's not, but as long as you figure out coping skills, it gets easier. It's true, but the, and that's that's the life of the entrepreneur and the and the uh, the self determined is we have to figure out we have to just fuck the system and and figure out our own way. I force myself to do estimates. Like <laughs> I force myself to sit behind the desk and be like, all right, if I don't write this estimate, I'm not going to get any more work. So I need to write this. I think writing estimates is one of the most challenging things for anybody in this field. It is such a pain in the butt. I've devised systems to make it easier and easier and easier, but it's painful every time. But the thing I've found is that making getting them out as fast as possible, you win the contract that much, that much more easily. If people aren't waiting on you, if they never have to call you and say, where's that estimate? You got them. They're not going to wait for the person that, that takes two weeks. Absolutely. So, like but, usually contact me on a Monday estimates out by Tuesday. Then yeah. I set an alarm Thursday. I follow up. I have a copy paste for everything. Yeah. Yeah. I have a copy paste for everything. Sometimes it winds up uh, with the wrong people's name on the contract. It's the contract I copy pasted. From. No, you have to write name <laughs> in all caps, last name in all caps. Yeah, and do definitely. The it, it took me it took me a while. Um, so besides, you know, ADHD, dyslexia, what what's uh, what do you find is a challenge 
running a business? Finding time to do the admin work. Mm -hmm. I used to do it at the end of the day. And then I realized that my, my brain was exhausted. Like usually I do anything admin related in the morning. And then after I'm done in the morning is when I go and finish. So whenever a prospect reaches out to me at like five o'clock on a Friday, that's when I tell them, Hey, I'm going to send you the estimate on, on Monday morning. I've learned not to send inform send written information to them right away because I will make typos or I will mess up, mess up the numbers. It's just, Forcing yourself to separate yourself into the admin person and the creative person. It just makes your life much easier. And one thing I picked up on there too, is that uh, letting the, whatever you wrote out, sit for a minute. I like to let it sit overnight and then go back to it and look at it. Yeah. And then, because... and then you, you process some information and you look at the, you look at what you've written differently. Yeah. Objectively. Like do it right away you know your brain's exhausted from all the laborious work you're doing and you do it right away and you send in you check it later on you're like oh my god i messed up that word oh my god i forgot to do the math right over there it's like yeah. forcing yourself to sit patiently yeah and that, i call the i call those morning hours that you're talking about my smart hours because that's it the, mm -hmm. that's when i got right when i get up to about noon after that dumb work yep which is why I'm glad we're doing this in the morning, <laughs> not on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a tough one for me at night to do these for sure. As a budding entrepreneur, how do you parse your time? Work-life balance is hard whenever you're an entrepreneur because your free time become, becomes time for your company. Like Caesar and I haven't had a weekend in over eight months. Like life, <laughs> life is usually, life happens usually whenever I'm five days into work and I, I go, okay, I don't want to wake up today. I don't want to do any work. All right. Mental health day it is. And I'll just take the day off and do absolutely nothing. And then the fidgeting starts. I'm like, all right, I got to do something. So work-life balance is not really there. I'll let you know in mm. a few years when there's a work-life balance. And on that mental health day, are you still thinking about, oh, the client? and what they want and their unrealistic expectations? Heck no, I've learned not to. Like I will look at my phone and my phone, cause I forget things. So everything's on my calendar as a to-do list. And I'll look and it'll be like, send an estimate to so-and-so. And I'm like, I'll take that thing on my calendar and push it over to the next day. When it comes to people pleasing, I learned to make my estimates in such a way where Let's see. An example is I worked on this chest and as I was picking it up, the client was like, oh, that foot's broken. Can you also fix that? And I was still new on it. I was still new at it. And I said, sure. But in reality, later on, I'm thinking, wait, you just undercut yourself. You're going to fix this one thing when you have everything else on this chest that needs to be fixed. So at one point I learned to line I my estimates and be like this 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 and that is everything that I'm going to be working on mm. and on the second page in the terms and conditions I have um, something that says like 
you will incur additional charges. If you add on any other work besides the line items mentioned above, please make sure to discuss everything you wish for us to restore or refinish prior to agreeing to this quote. Because I've learned that the second you meet the client and the second you start working, other things will come up. So whenever like I spend that hour or 30 minutes talking to them on the phone, looking at the pictures of their pieces, I make sure to ask them very detailed questions of like, what's wrong with it? Is the veneer separating? Is something broken? Is something else need to be glued back on? That way, when I piece, there aren't going to be any surprises and they're going to be like, oh, well, can you also fix this? I can, but it's going to charge you extra. Yeah, the line iteming is very important. Find that people really want to challenge paying for custom work and all your work is custom. Nothing mm -hmm. about what you do is, is a straight line. It's not like framing a house. It's a lot of what I do in construction is a lot more direct, but when it comes to custom work, people want to pay for it. So how do you, I'm sure you have a lot of clients that come to you and say, just do this. Tell us how much it's going to cost. But the ones that keep challenging you, how do you round them up? How do you keep them in line and, and say, no, this is just, this is how it is. I'm very direct whenever I talk to clients, like, I'm direct, but I'm nice. So let's call it diplomatic. So whenever, like right now I'm working on a piece and one of, my, one of my clients was like, can you make it darker? So the piece is, um, the wood itself, it has a hint of red. I can make the red darker, but because the wood species itself is red, there's only going to be so much that you can do to it. So I sent them um, a picture of how, of a bunch of different stains and how red can darken and they didn't like any of that. And I went, okay, what are you trying to do with this piece? Are you trying to modernize it? And they're like, yeah, I just want it to look new. But when she said she wanted it to look new, she didn't mean new as in refinished, she meant new as in different. Mm -hmm. So it's just forcing yourself to listen to that client and try and understand exactly what they're trying to say behind their words. Because of course, they're not going to use terminology that you know, they're going to use what makes sense to them. Oh, I want it to look more soft. I want it to look uh, cute. I want it to match this decor. So it's just spending time with that customer and trying to understand what the heck they're trying to tell you. So you know how to, ex how to respond back to them. That is very insightful. And the way people interpret one word can throw off a project. Mm -hmm. It can throw, oh, so, I mean. <laughs> so many times they'll be like, I want it brown. And I'll respond with, I speak in tints. And I'll send them a bunch of pictures of stain samples. Right. I'm like, pick a brown. Because your brown is different than my brown. That's right. My voicemail says, text me. Whenever I get a call from a number I don't know, I just hang up on them. And my voicemail says, hi, you reached nine. Go Co-owner of Fall and Finish. If you want me to work, if you want me to work on a piece, blah blah blah, text me pictures. Sorry, I couldn't answer. My hands are mm. currently. It literally says text me because if, yeah, I, I like, if I, I like that text me pictures thing. That's pretty cool. It's so much easier. It's so much easier, and it's the hardest thing in that is just like trying to explain to people how I can see what's wrong with their piece in a picture. They can't because their eyes aren't trained. My eyes are like, oh, there's water damage. Veneer is lifting. That, that finish is peeling off. It's over 20 years old. To them, it's like, oh. And I'm like, I, I see it. Uh -huh. 
They're like, come and see it in person. I'm like, I see it in the picture. I don't need to waste my time. That's cool. I personally don't let people text me unless it's an emergency, but it's a different, it's a different scope. I like, like, I, I definitely would like if people would text me a picture of what's going on more often to start the conversation. So I can just say, no, like that disaster is not in going on my schedule. Um, but I, but people don't think the same when it's like a roof or something. Cause they just don't know people, house stuff. People just don't understand our education system. Like people don't know a thing about their house. Don't it's because they outsource to somebody else. People have just gotten lazy. Like, my parents have fixed almost everything inside their house, either by themselves or they've hired a handyman. But like my grandpa was a welder, everything in their house in Bulgaria, he's done himself. Mm. And we just, the job that we're doing on Saturday, um, we went to look at this bookcase and this floating vanity, hilarious. It's a vanity that the woodworker built, then the contractor's guys hung on the wall. If you look underneath, cause it's floating, it has the little, the little plastic feet on the bottom. And I was like, wait, he thought this was gonna be on the floor. And because of how, oh, how wide, so because of how wide this part of the floating vanity is, mm -hmm. it's only on like one stud. <laughs> Oh. So they put, so behind it, they put, um, let me find the word behind it. They put an MDF board so they can attach the floating vanity to the MDF board. And I was like, oh, that's why it's like that because they needed to go to, into stud and the client goes stud. And I go, you know, like behind your drywall, there's these studs every this far apart and they're like oh support yes a stud how do you not know what a stud is and it is it's oh it's interesting i mean you're right the people don't people knew how to do stuff before they had to they had to do more for themselves like my grandfather built his house as far as i know because i remember there was like a secret tunnel between closets and Jack and Jill closet probably is all as it was. But when I was a kid, it seemed like I was in Narnia. It's awesome. It's super awesome. But yeah, nowadays, nobody knows how to do anything. I'm glad that there is this growth in DIY. So people are actually starting to relearn how to do things by themselves. But then just don't read on the comments because the comments are just. Uh, what's the, the most ridiculous couple you've ever dealt with? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, let me think. They don't follow me on Instagram. The desk. Oh my God, that desk. So the wife was the one that was doing all the, the talking back and forth, but the piece was for her husband. So the problem happened where her husband really sucked at responding to text messages. And so they picked the color. I sprayed the color. They hated the color. I'm like, this is the color you guys pick. That's why I send you to Home Depot. Grab a paint chip. I'll color match it and lacquer and I'll spray it. They hated it. And they came by to take a look at it. And I was like, all right, here's your existing color. This is some lamp 
black tint. I'm gonna keep adding black to this blue until you figure out what color you want. And I figured out why it was so hard to work with that client. It was because the wife had anxieties. She was trying to people please her husband who sucked at communicating. Because when he came by, he's like, I don't know. What do you think? What do you mean? What does she think? This is your desk. You freaking figure it out. I didn't Mm -hmm. say that. That's what was going on in my head. That was one of the hardest clients to work for. Because it was just like, she didn't know what she wanted. He didn't know what he wanted. And she was like trying to figure out what he wanted. (laughs) The internal dialogue when you're dealing (laughs) with a couple is incredible. You're like, yeah, what a dream on the side. (laughs) Just biting your tongue. So, and then they so, put out a great Google review. And I'm like, I wanted to die the entire time I was working on this. But the reward, those Google reviews matter. That's a, that's a, great, that's a great reward mm-hmm. for the client, for sure. Yeah, navigating personalities is, is a huge challenge in, in what we do. And Can I add on? Absolutely. So at this point, whenever I work with a couple, this is how forward I am. Once they've decided that they're going to work with me, I ask them, okay, so usually whenever I work with couples, one of them is the one that's paying. The other one is the one that's deciding colors. Who's the one that uses this room the most, or who is this piece going to? And then if somebody says, oh, that's her, oh, that's him. Like, okay, then let me talk to them because one of them will be the one that's paying the other one will be the one that's like oh i wanted this color i wanted this sheen i wanted to look like that and that's the person i need to talk to after we meet the first time i decide who's the person i'm gonna the point of contact and they have to navigate the other person and then when we're all together we can talk together again because at the beginning i would i would listen to them both separately and that just led to disaster no that's super confusing because yeah in any couple that I've worked for, one of them is the alpha partner. Absolutely. One of them's the ones like, no, this is the decision, babe, you're paying, but this is the decision. Yes. And one is the boss. Yep. And that's the one I need to talk to because they've already made up their mind. And if their partner hasn't made up their mind, they'll make up their mind for them. Right. hundred percent. Hey, so going back to that, what we were talking about earlier about those morning hours, how do you plan your day? Um, I wake up, I, I drink coffee from last night that I've already made that's in the fridge. And then I take my brain supplements, which are ginkgo biloba and L-tyrosine. Ginkgo biloba helps me with the word recall and L-tyrosine helps with the concentration. And then I look at my phone and I go, okay, let's see, what's on my to-do list? And then I sit by my computer and I go, what's on my to-do list? And then 9.30 rolls around and I'm like, all right, my to-do list is not completely done, but I have finishing to do. So I head out to the shop. So I just try to stay organized. Otherwise the procrastination kicks in, the ADHD kicks in and I'm just like, wee, let me do some fun stuff. No, Naya, you have work to do. Do you, you have a checklist every day? You're checking the boxes? Mm-hmm. Sometimes there are things that I really don't want to do. So they just get moved on to the next day in the calendar and the next day and the next day until I get to a point where I'm like, okay, I've procrastinated long enough on this. Let me get to it. 
What's the absolute best thing about your work? I get to be creative. I don't sit behind of a desk and I'm just not fidgeting the entire time wondering who I have to apologize to for them not understanding a certain thing. You know, the fake apologizing whenever you call customer service. <laughs> I don't have to do that. I get to work with my hands and then whatever I work on, it's in somebody else's house. Like I did that. It's awesome. Yeah. I really like your, uh, your shirt, your shirt logos you made. Yes. They're so cool. Um, there's miss my hardwood Nikki. I, I think that's her handle on Instagram and her shirts are, I did the floors in that house. And I hit her up and I was like, Hey, can I, can I borrow your saying? And she's like, yeah, it's a, it's a woodworking saying. Cause they lay floors. So mine say, I restored the furniture in that house or I refinished the cabinetry in that house. Cause it's like, heck yeah, I totally did. And it's awesome. Why do skilled trades matter? Because somebody needs to do it. Okay. So besides finishing, are there other trades that are interesting to you? And if so, which? Hmm. I like what, um, what do you call the guys that work on the lathe? They're, that is the coolest trade ever, in my opinion. And then wood carvers. I think it's because it's a trade that's no longer around as much. It's super intriguing to me. And then anybody who can do dovetail joinery, don't ask me how hard it is to find a woodworker around here that still knows how to do dovetail. Anybody that's good at work, woodworking, that's actually good at intricate work, that stuff intrigues me so much. It does. That's an incredible patience. I messed around with a little bit of woodworking in years ago and it's a lot. It's an, it's so time consuming. And yeah, I admire those, those, those people as well. Okay. One listener asks, why do you hate celery more than other vegetables? What? That's who it is. Because <laughs> celery sucks. It tastes awful. Take it out of my Bloody Mary. It's taking up space. <laughs> uh, what do you value most? Happiness and being free to do what I want. Not, not being stuck behind of a desk, not working for somebody else's dream, and just knowing that all the hard work I put in is for myself. I like it. Who's your mentor? I've changed through a bunch because I've changed so many careers. Honestly, at this point, I just want to call myself my mentor because I've figured out how as long as I keep trying, I can overcome anything. Like as long as I force myself to get through it, don't let the anxieties get in and don't panic. Somehow I figure it out. So I'm my own hero. Dang it. That's gangster. Like Snoop Dogg. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Why haven't you moved? To where? I don't know. Somewhere where the weather's better. Um, well, I leave every winter for two or three months. Okay. Yeah, but like to actually live. 
Well, I moved to live here. I moved from New York or from Maine to live here in 95. Why? Oh, I was probably running away from myself. <laughs> I was 22. That makes sense. And yeah. you stuck here? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to guess your favorite tool. Okay. 320. The sandpaper? Yeah. No. What's your favorite tool? It's a razor blade. Most useful tool. Razor blade. Where have you been on my life tool? Razor blade. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like I use it for stripping. I use it for um, applying on, uh, what do you call it? What? My brain's bringing in the word edge banding. I use it for applying on glue. I use it whenever I spray something and there's bubbles, whenever a piece of hair is stuck, like a brush hair is stuck in the finish. I use it whenever I'm using two-part epoxy putty and I have to shape something. I use it whenever I'm cutting off tape. I use it for everything. And it has the perfect straight edge for tiny little detail things. You love your razor. Yeah. Fact. What are the best job site snacks? Mm, I get, I have really fast metabolism. So I'm hungry like every two hours. Usually for me, it's almonds or little wrappy things with the stuff on the inside. Pause. Be right back. Okay. Best job site snacks are either almonds or fig bars. I like fig bars. Yeah. Best job site jams? Mm, it depends. If I want to work really fast, it's EDM. If I'm bored out of my mind, it's 2000s hip hop. If, it's, if I'm working on something that's very detail oriented and I need to just pay attention, it's um, just utter silence. If I'm spraying, I need something that has like a middle tempo because if I'm listening to EDM and I'm spraying, I'm spraying too fast. <laughs> no, I'm serious. It's like I start paying attention to the music and I start spraying too fast and there's overspray and it's just like, oh, I'm going to have to sand this. That is hilarious. So I'll be spraying and I'll listen to the music and in my head, I'm like, slow down, slow down, slow down. That is hilarious. You become the music. Yeah, pretty much. But it doesn't work for finishing because you have to go slow. Right. Or... What's the best live show you've ever been to? God, it's been years. You live in L.A. I'm an introvert. I hate people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't get out like I used to. <laughs> yeah, no, no, thank you. No, best live show, my, my living room, TV, coffee, or alcohol. <laughs> if you were an instrument, what would you be? Oh, something loud and annoying and very bubbly. Saxophone. Mm. Do you have any sax musicians you like? No idea. Mm. Um. What do you do when you're home alone? Cheat, eat. Cheat, eat. I eat very healthy. So when mm. I'm home alone, okay, this is awful. I eat very healthy. <laughs> but there's things that I certainly can't eat. 
because my body is like, no, that's going to give you gas or no, that's, that, that's also going to give you gas. If I'm home alone, I'm going to eat something that's going to give me gas. So I'm the only one that has to deal with that. Okay. My last guest asked me to ask the next guest, what three things could you bring to a cashier that would make them blush? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, like when you're paying or just in general? Oh, when you're purchasing. Okay. Let's see. No, you said, you said okay. the answer be something that people with kids can listen to. I can't answer this. <laughs> you know, what book are you reading? Oh, uh, the C33 exam book. The, the contractor's license for painters and yeah, the contractor's license for painters book. That sounds painful. Oh God, it is. <laughs> I remember geometry. Like Caesar and I are walking the other day and there's an area that we can either walk straight or right, or we can take C square. If we're studying, you get the right reference, you know, A square plus C square, A square plus B square equals C square on a triangle. I was like, babe, let's take the C square. So I'm just using our daily life to incorporate the geometry formulas so I can remember them. What would be your piece of advice to a tradesperson who's thinking of starting your own business? Go for it. It's terrifying, but it's extremely rewarding. Don't be afraid to make mistakes because you learn from how you fix those mistakes. And don't be afraid to say yes to everything because it's, it forces you to be a stronger person and it forces you to figure things out. And the more people tell you no, or, or, and the more challenging it seems, the more you're going to thank yourself later on for growing as a person. I like that. Is there anyone you want to give a shout out to today? No, they get in their DMs. What about? You tell me who asked you to get me on the podcast. It's several oh, don't people. Don't shake your head. No, tell, speak. It's several, it's several people. Um, well, who? <laughs> no, 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 no. Not, now, now we're face to face. You can't avoid it. Oh, and yeah, but you, I can't. I can't. Like, I like can't. Question. Speak. I can't. Can. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. You can edit this out. Speak to it. <laughs> Dang it. I'm not going to edit this out. This uh, is the best part. Tell me. <laughs> There's no one you want to give a shout out to. I'm thinking no, because no, because they all get it in the DMs. Like people, whoever I talk to on, whoever I talk to on Instagram, they're used to me like encouraging them constantly. I'm, I'm the type of person that like when I see somebody else who has a small business, I'll be like, oh my God, heck yeah, good job. Let me get my pom-poms. You got this. So it's just like putting one person on blast. It's just making it so that everybody else doesn't get to be on blast. So yeah, no. Do you think that people should write a review of the podcast? Oh, absolutely. Heck I did. And I don't even use iTunes to listen to the contracting handbook. And I listened to you on, on Spotify and I was like, wait, on Spotify, I can only do, um, put in five stars. How the heck do I write your review? I use, um, Apple music. All right, let me download it. All right. Let me write the review done here. Here you go. It's done. Go away. Apple music. Well, thank you. Thank you for that instructional uh, piece too, for all the listeners out there. So they know yeah. what to do. 
It was very well directioned. Words not working right now. <laughs> it's getting towards noon. Mm -hmm. the, the, the smart hours are ticking down. Yep, it's it's time to eat more. What do you what are you doing the rest of the day? Um, I have this chest that I'm working on, and it's um, it's a cedar chest that my client's daughter wants me to spray black on it. So I'm going to be filling in a lot of grain, and then letting the filler cure. And well, that's curing. I'm going to work on a chair. So it's switching between two projects today. That must be a challenge for space. Not Am really. Right? They're all. I mean, but, but if you've got multiple projects going on, the challenge of, of having space to have everything drying and because some of your projects take weeks. So some of them take weeks, especially when the finish is like conversion varnish and that's just pain on the butt to take off. Um, I just learned to be honest with my clients and tell them, hey, right now it's too hot. It's going to take a little bit longer for something to cure or like, hey, it's raining. So it's there's too much moisture in the air. So things will take slower to cure. And it's just learning to be direct with your clients. And when it comes to space, you just force yourself to figure out what step this piece is in and what step that piece is in. So can you actually make uh, sawdust right now? Or are you going to destroy your finish that you just sprayed? How big is that shop space? Tiny, like a hundred square feet. LA style. Yep. But the that stuff that comes out of there is ridiculous. Like you have no idea. Like I've worked on. Um, I do. Cause I watch, I, I'm, I'm super impressed with your work. I'm, I'm a big fan. It's thank you. Yeah. Yeah, you see the craziness that comes out of there, right? It's like, how? I'm like, I don't know. I've just learned to work in the tight space. Um, what about being Bulgarian is your favorite characteristic? I want to say the food. Like, our food is bomb. Mm. I learned how to be direct. Like I, I, I learned how to be okay with people being direct because that's how my parents are and that's how my nationality is. So it's like whenever somebody's being direct, it's like I don't take offense because that's just the words that we're using. I related earlier to when you were saying that you you did good because you couldn't really come home like having not done good. Oh God, yeah. Oh um, yeah, your parents are so strict. Like, remember the, you know, the memes where it's like your dad's trying to explain math to you and you're crying. That's my dad. It's, oh God, no, my, my mom's a doctor. So imagine coming home with like a grade below B plus. It's no, it's no, you, you rather just not go home. I can relate to that. Um, that fear. And I, that's what I wonder, like, if that's the difference between my generation and and a lot of your generation the generation before like i was afraid of failure oh yeah. <laughs> i don't think i don't think i was raised right in any way i mean maybe a little bit but but maybe being feral helped me oh yeah uh, the fear of getting your butt whooped oh <laughs> it's real <laughs> <laughs> did you no, get your yeah. pulled 
Did I get what? Did you get your ears pulled? Um, one of my grandmothers was an ear puller. Yeah, my grandparents too. You learn not to do things. And you learn to like move real fast. Yeah, there was like uh, Charlie horses were popular when I was a kid. Seriously? Yeah. Okay, explain. Yeah, Charlie horse, you know, when you hit someone in the hamstring or in the hamstring or not the hamstring, the quad on their leg. Oh, okay. And it makes them keel over. Nice. I thought my understanding of Charlie horse is like whenever you point your foot too much and then you get a pain in your arch. You do. You get a Charlie horse. Uh, This is like a this is like a made this is like a, a, a man made Charlie horse by your, you know, relative. That's so evil for by us. Someone like, who, by someone who loves you. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's how you reprimand children. For us, it was like ear pulling or like you get a shoe thrown at you or you get a really hard slap and it's like, you just learn. You just learn to behave. And then you turn 18 and you're like, nah, thank you, bye. <laughs> I'm going to be me away from here. Yeah, they teach us how to, to lie. So we live this independent life that they don't know about until we're 18. Mm-hmm. You just show them what they need to, they, you, they teach us how to deal with clients. You show them what they need to see and then live your life free. Yep. <laughs> this is all you need to know. Everything else, well, let's not discuss because then you'll freak out. Thanks so much for being here. You got it. Bye. I'll be in touch. Say bye back so I can hang up. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> and I completely forgot what your question was. Uh, it, was it was basically <laughs> it was basically how did you get into uh, finishing? I think I answered so, that. Yeah, you, yeah, definitely. I'm trying to la- keep it short, like you said. They're here. The pictures are here. My mouth's just stopping it because you're like, well, I want people to listen when the car with their kids are around.